I think so often the disciples, I think they were coming to Jesus and saying, Lord, teach us to pray. I wonder why they never said, Lord, teach us to preach. I would rather pray than be the greatest preacher in the world. stand before men on behalf of God. Praying we stand before God on behalf of men, which is the greatest. Welcome to Cross Point, and uh, we're in a series on prayer. And our prayer is, God, would you teach us to pray? Just like the disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray. We're asking the same thing, and, um, and we're going to speak more, talk more about that. But before we get any further, I want to give a shout out to the Franklin Campus, because today Franklin Campus begins a 1230 service. So can we give a shout out to our, our Franklin Campus? We celebrate how you are creating more services to create more space, more seats for people to come and, uh, and find and follow Jesus. That's, that's what we're about as a church. And um, we were in Franklin at the, at the Hobby Lobby on Friday, and, uh, and we were there because it was our date day, and that was where we needed to go, um, and we wanted to be at Hobby Lobby. And I was smiling on the outside, but I was pouting on the inside just a little bit because we were at Hobby Lobby. And, uh, and so, um, and we were, we were staying in line, and there was this really, 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 really long line, and um, so I'm just kind of... You know, doing that, and uh, and so as we're we're waiting, and I'm looking, you know, what looking around, what other people had. The the, the woman that was in front of us, she uh, she turned around and she um, she said, oh, she recognized Ree, and she's like, oh, you guys are um, from Cross Point. She said, we um, we have started going to the Franklin campus, and my husband normally doesn't he doesn't do church, he's not in church, but he's really connected there, and we've been worshiping there as a family. And I was like, that's cool, Hobby Lobby just got better. And then we're just like having, having a conversation there. And the lady behind us said, hey, are you, guys, you guys are from Crosspoint. And we turned around and we were like, yeah. And she said, she said, I was diagnosed with cancer back in 2019 and some people from your church prayed for me and God healed me. And I'm, but I just want to thank God. And I'm like, this is awesome. I'm like, this is the best Hobby Lobby trip ever. And so I'm going to start going to Hobby Lobby every Friday and, uh, and looking for stories about what God is what God's doing. But it's, it's remarkable what God's doing all across Middle Tennessee. And we just give him all the glory. It's just great to be a part, be a part of a move of God like that. And, uh, and I'm glad that you're, you're here today. Um, as we're talking through the Lord's Prayer, I wanna, I've, I've saved my best worst story about the Lord's Prayer. I've saved it for the final week um, because, I mean, it really is. It's, it's one that's just as cringy as the first time I told it. And I have told it once before, and, uh, but if you've heard it before, I just want you to do what, what Ree does when I tell stories more than once. She just smiles and nods her head and, and like it's the first time she's heard it. So um, it was back when I was kind of a rookie pastor, and I was, I was new to pastoring, and I, I had to go to the hospital, um, had an opportunity to, to go and pray with the family, to be with the family. And it was one of those difficult situations, kind of end, end of life for someone with, that was in the family. And so I was nervous going there because I'd never been in that situation before with the family, um, with, a, with a loved one that was at the end of their life. And so I, I went up on the elevator, went toward the room and went to the room and I see the family there. And they were just so, I mean, it was just, they were, they were so grateful that we were, we were there and we were able to uh, talk together. We shared some scripture. We, we prayed together. And I was, I was a little bit nervous but then the grandmother, who was over in the corner, she stood up and she said, um, she said hey, can we, can we pray the Lord's Prayer? Would you lead us in the Lord's Prayer? I was getting ready to go. She said, would you lead us in the Lord's Prayer? And I was like, sure. I mean, that seems like a very pastor thing to do right now. We were all holding hands. And, um, and so I started us in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And y'all, I couldn't remember what was next. <laughs> In that moment, have you ever had one of those moments where you just draw a blank 
And you're like, and then, then just like the shame washes over and you're like, what do I do? I mean, our eyes are all closed, but I'm looking around. I'm looking for the words on the, like on a printed thing up on the wall. I'm like, where, who knows? And it's just not, common. like, I can't figure it out. And I'm just, I close my eyes and I, and I just look up and a little help. Like I said, little help. And granny just takes us into the end zone. She's just, she just takes us to the finish line. She just leads us to the prayer. And I'm just like, thank you, granny, you know, in that moment. But she goes through, and then we finish, amen. And it was the most awkward amen ever. I'm just looking around, and I'm like, okay. And I just walk out of the room. I'm like, I'm like, and I'm walking down the hall of the hospital going, I'm the worst pastor ever. I'm the worst pastor. Get on the elevator, go down, go to the parking lot. I go and get in my Ford Edge and I, I sit down and I, and, and some of you are hung up that I had a Ford Edge, just let that go. And so I sit down and I grab the steering wheel and I'm just like, and I'm like, oh, I can't believe I forgot the other And I bite the steering wheel. True story. I bite the steering Somebody's driving a Ford Edge somewhere in the world right now with teeth marks still on the steering wheel. I was just so Overcome, I was like, I can't believe I forgot the Lord's Prayer. Some of you are like, that's why we did this series. Pastor Kevin, you did this so that we would never forget the Lord's Prayer. No, I did this series so that I would never forget the Lord's Prayer again. But now that it would get down into our DNA, into our marrow, that Jesus said, here, pray like this. Not some rote, just kind of routine ritual that you pray, but that, that prayer would become a lifeline for us, that we would stay rooted in him and connected with him. He says, pray like this. But what I learned from that moment at the hospital is that anxiety causes us to forget. That when we get nervous and we get afraid and we get anxious, it's in those moments that we forget, don't we? We forget names and we forget birthdays and we forget things that we were supposed to pick up at the grocery store. Like we forget things, we forget calendar, we forget dates, we forget things that we were supposed to, but because anxiety causes us to forget. And, and one of one of my favorite viral videos of all time illustrates this. It was back in, in the NBA playoffs. Um, there was Natalie Gilbert. She was a 13-year-old, and she stepped up to sing the national anthem. And midway through the song, she forgot the words. And Mo Cheeks, one of the coaches for the Trailblazers, Mo Cheeks gets up, and he goes over, and he helps her remember the song. And it's just this beautiful moment that I want to share with you. The NBA posted it up, and they shared it at the 4th of July. And, uh, and so I was like, you know what? It'd be good for us to just take a few moments and watch together. Check us out. Mo Cheeks, if you're here today, we just want to honor you. <laughs> I love, like, I love that moment. And like, there she was in that moment. She forgot the words. She didn't know what to sing. And what she needed was somebody to come. Listen, when somebody's hurting 
When somebody's, when somebody's facing challenges, when somebody's forgotten the words, they don't need perfection. Did you notice that Mo Cheeks can't sing? He can't sing. Sorry, Mo. But you did what was more important than pitch perfect. You gave her your presence. What matters more when somebody's hurting, what matters more than perfection, what matters is presence. What people need when they've forgotten the words is they need somebody to come alongside them, put an arm around them, and help them remember what's true. Because in anxiety, we can forget. Listen, this is why I love Serve the City. Because in Serve the City, as the body of Christ, as followers of Jesus, we get to come alongside Music City that has forgotten her song. Music City has forgotten the song that she was created to sing. And for those that are, that are standing there all alone and wondering, why am I here? And I, the ones that have forgotten the words and they're filled with shame and they're feeling embarrassed. And in those moments, we get to come alongside them and we get, to, we get to remind them the words to the song that they were created to sing. It's this great quote from Arne Garberg, a Norwegian novelist. Don't be confused with the other Norwegian novelists that we know, but, but this, is, this is a great quote. He said, to love a person is to learn the song that is in their heart and to sing it to them when they have forgotten. Isn't that good? Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, God has put eternity in the hearts of men and women. Romans chapter 1 verse 20 tells us that, that creation testifies to the creator. You put all that together and what you get is that God has put, he's put the melody in here. He's put the music in creation and we have the words to remind people of the song that they've forgotten. And so we get to be the one who remind people of the words. And I love that moment, like when they're singing and everybody joins in the song. Man, that's what I dream for this city. That this city would find Jesus and discover he's in the song that they've been longing to sing their entire life. And everybody joins in the song together. Everybody's singing and the, the arena becomes a choir room. And everybody's singing and there are fireworks. It's like the crescendo, right, in that moment. And what I want you to see is that, that this prayer, the end of the prayer, what we're, going to say, what we're going to look at today is the crescendo. It's the fireworks. It's the celebration at the end of the prayer. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's the applause at the end of the prayer. It's the crescendo. It's the fireworks. And it's not found in Matthew chapter 6 or in Luke 11. When Jesus gives the prayer of the disciples, that last part of the prayer is a benediction or a doxology that was added by the early church during the first century as the end of the prayer. And in a doxology, it means like a glory word or a, or a word of praise or a, or, a, or a word of exaltation. The doxology is, is at the end. And, and this thing of doxology is something that happens over and over through scripture. One of the one of the more well-known ones is in Romans chapter 11. Maybe you've read, this, you've read this book. In the book of Romans, Paul spends 11 chapters speaking to the church at Rome, and he's telling them, he's like, hey, we've been grafted in into this promise that was given to Abraham. We've been grafted in as Gentiles. We're included in on the promises of God that he gave to his people, the Jewish people. We get, we get grafted in, and it's justification by faith, not by works. It's not by good works that we enter into the promises of God. It's by faith. 
It's it's a gift of God's grace, and we put our faith in Jesus, and we receive. We receive the promise. We've been grafted in. And then after sharing 11 chapters of just offering that up, then he goes to the doxology in verse 33. It says, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his past beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. That's a doxology. That's a word of glory. That's a word of praise. Lots of exclamation points. Paul is just exclamation point happy, like some of you when you text. You would think Paul was a boomer or a middle school girl with the way he uses exclamation point. Paul's like, he's he's exclaiming. I mean, he's about to throw a shoe. He's about to run around the room. He is celebrating the goodness and the grace of God. That's doxology. And that's what we have with this last part of the phrase. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. It's a way for us to give praise and glory to God. And and this, this line in the prayer is, is inspired by, by a prayer that David prayed when the, when the temple was, re, was being rebuilt. And so it's this celebration that we find in 1 Chronicles 29, 11. In the rebuilding of the temple, this is what he prays. He says, thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. And what I want to do in the rest of the time we have today is I want to talk about how do we live a thine is the kingdom life in a mine is the kingdom world. Some of you talk back. (laughs) Somebody, it was time to throw a shoe, but you missed your moment. Might start running around the room before this is over. This is what you say. How how do we live a a thine is the kingdom life? Because we live in a mine is the kingdom world where we think, and I think so much of our fear, so much of our anxiety, so much of our worry comes from a mine is the kingdom mentality. We think my house, my family, my kids, my job, my health, my body, my stuff, my relationships, my career path, my financial security, my retirement, my dating life, my five-year plan, my vision, my hopes, my friends, my position, my future. And what happens in life is we have, this, we, have this, we have this idea, we think, you know what, if I could just control things, then I'd be happy. Like, if I could just control everything in my life, then I'd be happy. If I could just control my health, then I could control my marriage, or I could control my marriage prospects, if I could control my timeline, if I could control my finances, or I could control my investments, if I could control the fantasy football league, if I could, if I could control the market, if I could control my spouse, if I could control my kids, if I could get a bigger house or a better job, well, then I would be satisfied. And what all of this is, what it really is in a mind, it's the kingdom world, is a desire for power. And here's a definition of power in a mind is the kingdom world. Power is the ability to shape things so that they come out our way. And a mind is the kingdom mentality works until it doesn't. It's effective until it's not. Because if you're, if you're, if you're good enough and you're smart enough and you're, you're talented enough and you're hardworking enough, you can build something. You can create something, but eventually you get to the end of you. Eventually you come across a wall that you can't climb, a valley that you can't cross, a problem that you can't solve, a mountain you can't move. And it's at that moment that you realize that control has been an illusion all along. 
and you realize that you need a power greater than you, and there is a kingdom that is bigger than yours. Without doxology, we drift toward idolatry. Here's what idolatry is. It's taking anything in this world and putting it on the throne of our hearts that was meant for God. Anything that we ascribe worth or value to more than God, that's, that's idolatry. Romans chapter, chapter one talks about it this way. It says, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and they worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is praised forever. You know the created thing in our culture that I think we're most tempted to worship? Itself. It's not some like little thing that we whittle out of wood and we put up on the mantle and we're like, that's my idol. I think idolatry, I think the created thing that we tend to worship more than the creator is self. And so what, what's true is that whatever we worship, that's what we go to to tell us who we are. We derive our sense of identity from what we worship. So if we worship God, we go to God to tell us who we are. But when we worship self, we go to self to tell us who we are. And so we go, we go inward. We're like, who am I? And we ask questions of, of the one that's in the mirror. We're asking questions. We're looking at, at self to try to, to try to tell us who we are. We say, who am I? And why am I here? And what am I here for? We look for those answers in self. And there's a philosopher, Charles Taylor, who calls it this. He calls it expressive individualism. This idea that who you are is who you feel yourself to be on the inside. And there was a book that was written by um, Brian Rossner. And he, he wrote this book called How to Find Yourself, Why Looking Inward is Not the Answer. And he rewrites the Lord's Prayer of what happens when we go inward rather than looking upward. He rewrites the Lord's Prayer. And I want you to just take in the, the word, listen to these words. We're going to put them up on the screen. And I want you to just think about them. This is a mine is the kingdom prayer. My essence within, help me to find my true self, my kingdom come. My will be done from birth to seventh heaven. Give, us, give me today my daily spread. Forgive not my enemies as I cancel those who sin against me. Lead me not into self-doubt, but deliver me from all external authorities. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are mine now and forever. Amen. It's sobering when you read those up on the screen. But when we've forgotten the words, that's what we're left with. And we live in a world that's forgotten the words or maybe never known them. And trying to find identity in, in self, trying to find, and standing there in that moment filled with shame, wondering, what do I do? What do I do? I can't remember the words. And we're the ones who have been offered. And you know what? Even as followers of Christ, sometimes we wouldn't, maybe we wouldn't pray a prayer like that, but we can think thoughts like that. And we can live in that way. So how do we stay centered on what is true. I came across a story from Andrew Peterson. Um, songwriter tells a story of a pastor that was in his office and he was working and he had one of those windows outside of his office where he could see out into the busy city street. But it was a, it was a one-way window where you could see out, but other people couldn't see in. They could just see the mirrored reflection. He said that he saw a mom walking along with two little kids and as they were walking along, the mom caught a glimpse her reflection, she walked over to the window and she started to look and he said she could, he could see displeasure on her face with what she saw with her reflection. 
He said, but then the two little kids came over and they went over and they saw their reflection and they cupped their hands so that they could see what was behind the glass. And I heard that story, y'all, it melted me. Because I was like, I want to be like the kids. I want to be like the kids who cup their hands and go, I want to see what's on the other side. But what I know about me is too often I can, I can have displeasure in what I see. Where I think, you know what? I should be further along than I am as a, as a dad and as a husband. I should be further along. I should be more mature. I should, I should be more as a leader or as a pastor. See, sometimes I say things like in conversations that I regret. Anybody, anybody ever just put your foot in your mouth, just say something that you, you regret? Anybody? Okay, there's 17 of us who are in that club. We'll start a support group later on. The rest of y'all, y'all can join us later. But like, we, like in, in those moments, and when I say something that I wish I didn't say, like I replay it over and over and over and over. Anybody ever leave like a, like a party or anybody leave a conversation, you just replay the thing over and over and over again. And what I learn in those moments is I can have grace for a lot of other people. But the person I struggle most to have grace for is me. That's why I need grace. I need more grace than what I get from the mirror. I need grace from heaven. I need grace from God. See, self can't answer. Self can't answer this longing for grace. It's been put there because only God can give that grace. Only God can restore and make things right through Christ. And so we say, how do we live a dynasty the kingdom kind of life? Well, the first thing we got to do is cup our hands. We got to cup our hands and we look to him. We look upward. We cup our hands and we look to him. And when we cup our hands and we look to God, what we see, and you got to hear this, what we see is that God is smiling on the other side. Do you know that God smiles? And some of us are so, we're so conditioned maybe by experience of the past or Maybe what somebody else told us, what we need to know is that, that God smiles on us. If you are in Christ, you need to know God smiles. We've been grafted into the nation of Israel. Let me take you back to the prayer. I'm getting fired up right now. Whoever keeps saying, come on there in the back, you're pouring kerosene on this preacher's fire. He says in verse 24 of the priestly blessing to Israel, he said, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And we've been grafted into that. What that, what that whole, what that, what that section of scripture means, it means God smiles. That he smiles toward you. That the displeasure you feel, you might feel toward yourself is not God's disposition toward you. You have the smile of God so that in the love of God, he doesn't merely tolerate you. He's not like, well, I'll just put up with him or I'll just put up with her because Jesus went to the cross. No, he smiles toward you. God is in a good mood today toward you. That if we cup our hands, what we see is, is God smiles toward us. And there's this, there's this quote from this, this old Scottish Presbyterian minister named Robert Murray McShane in the 1800s. Look at what he says. He says, for every look at yourself, take 10 looks at Christ. 10 times. It says, take 10 looks at Christ. He is altogether lovely, such infinite majesty, and yet such meekness and grace, and all for sinners, even the chief, live much in the smiles of God. Somebody tattoo that somewhere on your body. Live much in the smiles of God. Tattoo it on your soul. Bask in his high beams. Feel his all-seeing eyes settled on you in love and repose in his almighty arms. Man, that before we look in the mirror, that we would cup our hands and 
to see ourselves the way that the Father sees us, his love. If you want to live a thine is the kingdom life, you got to cup your hands when you look at other people. Cup your hands, look to God, cup your hands and look to other people. What that means is we see, we see the glory on other people. We see somebody else who's made in the image of God. There's not anybody that you will see today that wasn't worth Jesus dying for. That's somebody Jesus loves. And there is a, you can't see it, but there's a, there's a label over their head that says mine. What Jesus looks like, he goes, mine, 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 mine. It's somebody who was loved by God. And when we cup our hands, we can see behind the dirt. You realize it does not take any skill in life to see the dirt on other people. It takes cupping your hands to see the gold. And when you see something, say something. Proverbs 20, verse 5 says, The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but the one who has insight draws them out. It's the gift of being able to see the gold in other people and saying it and drawing out the song that they were created to sing. And that we cup our hands and we look toward God, we cup our hands when we look at others. And that's why I love Serve the City, because it gives an opportunity for us to, to look at other people and see them made in the image of God and serve them and love them in a way that they see that God loves them too. We cup our hands, we look to God. We cup our hands, we look at others. We cup our hands to receive his power. We cup our hands to receive his power. Listen, we can't live a thine is the kingdom life in our own power. It's impossible. And God doesn't give his power that we would live a mine is the kingdom life. So if we want his power, we, we live his life that he's called us into. And so what it's saying, it's saying, God, my family belongs to you. My marriage belongs to you. My kids belong to you. My stuff, my health, my relationships, my college, my job, my financial security, my dreams, my hopes, my future. God, everything I have, I offer it to you. It's yours. Yours is the kingdom over all of this. And some of you today, as you cup your hands, you, you need his power. You need his strength. Everyone needs his power. Everyone needs his strength. But maybe when you're looking at your empty hands, you're thinking of what, what it is that in your heart you need. You need his peace. We have everything that we need to live the life that God's called us to in Christ Jesus. It's just cupping our hands and being willing to ask. They recognize that we have it in him. He gives his power. He gives his strength. He gives his grace. We cup our hands to receive it. So we cup our hands to look upward. Look to God. We cup our hands to look outward the way we see other people. We cup our hands to receive, and we lift our hands to give all the glory to God. When we pray in that way, when we pray about God's glory, um, what we're praying in that doxology is we're saying, God, I'm going to give you the credit. I'm going to give you the credit in everything. Have you ever been flying on an airplane and just sat down, and then that person next to you thinks that the whole row is theirs? They just like put both hands. You're like, hey, it's my armrest. In that moment, and they just, they just declare, this is my kingdom, <laughs> right? And you just try to elbow. You ever tried to elbow your way in to what you paid for, right? And then you try to elbow your way in to get you. Do we ever try to elbow our way in to the glory that belongs to God? I said, all credit, all glory, all honor is his. I wonder, is there anywhere in our lives that maybe our greatest frustration is that we're trying to get glory that never belonged to us? 
We say, God, I give you all glory, all the credit, all the honor. It belongs to you. Has there recently been a victory in your life that you need to give God glory for? Maybe there's some credit that you received and you just need to give praise and thanks to God. When we look through the portfolio of our life, is there anywhere where you've just kind of spread out and you say, it's all me. But today you say, God, I give you all the glory. I give you all the credit, all the honor. It's unto you, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory. Yours is the glory, God. As we fast forward together, we get to Revelation Chapter 5, Revelation chapter 5, John gets this vision of heaven. He gets this picture of what's to come. And he tells us what it'll be like on that day. It says, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. He's saying, There is a lot, there's more than I can number. He said, they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and in a loud voice they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and and ever. And that's a doxology. That one day we will be with him. If you're in Christ, you will be with him. And all of heaven will be celebrating his glory. That's what's going to go forever that we will celebrate his glory. I'll tell you what's not going to happen in heaven. It's not going to be the dude over in the corner saying, everybody look at me. Look at me. You know how many followers I have? Did y'all see my Instagram post? Hey, y'all, did you you hear about what I did? What I made happen? You hear about my idea? Hear how awesome I am? No, it's going to be all about him and his glory. And whatever crowns we have, whatever crowns we receive, we we will bow down before him. We will place at his feet that the crowns are for him. All glory and honor for him. So how do we prepare for that? We make it a practice in our lives to give him glory here on earth. This is boot camp for eternity. This is a dress rehearsal for eternity. That we just keep surrendering crowds to him. Say, Jesus, this is all for you. It's for your glory. That other people would know just how good you are. And then we find somebody that's forgotten the words, that's lost their way, struggling, we come alongside them and help them, help them remember, help them remember. And for some of you today, you've lost the words and you're in a great place. Because many of us, we know what that's like. See, there was a time where I'd forgotten the words. And it was through a prayer that I, that I found Jesus. And it's from that moment on that I began to follow him. And so if you want to begin a relationship with Christ, if you want to to find the song that you were created to sing. It can start in a moment like this. Cup our hands, we look to him. We cup our hands, look to other. We open up our hands to receive. And we lift our hands in praise. Give him glory. And we're going to sing in just a moment and have an opportunity to do that, to worship together. 
But before we do, I want to lead you in a prayer. Would you, would you bow your heads and your hearts with me? For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Right now, this moment connects with eternity. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation, that today is the day that we can be rescued, that we can be restored, that we can remember the words we were created to sing. So if today, if you want to know God in that way, if you want to be made right with him, if you want to get grafted into the family of God, then I want to invite you to pray a prayer. You just whisper this after me. Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for giving Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. Right now, I give my life to you. I turn from my sin and I return to you. Thank you for saving me. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your grace. All glory and honor and power is yours. Thank you for saving me. Listen, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, I want to invite you just to lift up your hand. Other people are praying, but you can lift up your hand. Yep. Anybody else? Ask me. All right. That's right. It's the greatest prayer you'll ever pray in your life. Because it's the prayer of restoration. It's the prayer of new beginnings. It's the prayer of new life. So Jesus, I thank you for those who made that their prayer today. Whether they lifted their hand or not, God, would you, uh, would you cause the roots of their faith to grow down deep? That they would grow up in you. And who you've called them to be, who you've made them to be, and would they find their song? God, I pray for, for those who have maybe prayed that prayer a long time ago. God, today would be a day of returning to giving you glory, giving you credit, giving you honor, and to living life with your power. And then, God, I pray for all of us as a church that you would help us see the dignity in others, that you'd help us see people that you love, image bearers who have been created by you and made for you, and God, then, and serve the city this next weekend, that we'd put our, our arms around people and we'd help them remember the song that they were created to sing, that Music City would remember her song. And God, when you move, Lord, that we give all credit and glory and honor to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's sing. Let's worship.
Right here in my heart. On earth as in heaven. Right here in my heart. On earth as in heaven. Right here in my heart. 